Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. From MMA Fighting Studios... This is Between the Links, live. And now, your host, Mike Heck. Wow, the iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a special live edition of Between the Links here on MMAfighting.com. And as a child, I wanted to be a game show host so badly. I feel like Bob Barker right now at that introduction. Absolutely unbelievable. Thank you for joining us. This is a big one. The first title matchup of 2021. And you know it's a big deal if I'm rocking the uh, the Fedor-esque sweater. And that's because I'm excited for this matchup. couple quick notes. First off, it is Thursday. We have officially made the switch. This show will now go down each and every Thursday from here on out. What the heck has already made the move to Tuesdays. If you haven't checked that out from this past, from earlier this week, excuse me, You can do so right after this. Last thing, for those of you watching live, we want your input on how these rounds go, okay? Will it have an impact? Sure. Will it be the final decision? Don't really know. But if you lean one way or the other after a round ends, let us know in the chat. And if you're new to the show, you'll pick it up pretty quickly. But now that that stuff is out of the way, let us introduce the combatants. First, the challenger who earned his right to challenge for the title with his incredible impression of former UFC Bantamweight champion, TJ Dillashaw in the knockout round last week, one of the busiest people in MMA media. He is everywhere. The challenger, the great James Lynch. Welcome back, sir. Thanks for having me, guys. Looking forward to uh, keeping the momentum going. And making his 2021 debut on the program, introducing the reigning, defending, undisputed BTL champion. He reclaimed his title with the victory over his bitter rival, Sean El Shadi, to cap off 2020 from MMAfighting.com, Mr. Jed Mishu. Welcome back, my friend. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Mike. Mike, I got to say, I feel like the sweater of absolute victory, that needs to be what's on the line for all of these title defenses here because that, I can think of no better. Trinket isn't the word I'm looking for, but you know what I'm getting at. That, That seems like the best prize one could compete for. I mean, we might have to do something here. Maybe we get a new sponsor out of the deal. Sweaters for everybody. You know, that's just what it's all about. But uh, let's get it's fired winter, up for Fight it. Island. What's that? It's winter. <laughs> I need it. Yes, it is freezing here. But uh, let's go and get tropical, everybody, on Fight Island. We got three events in an eight-day span starting this Saturday with UFC Fight Island 7. The first MMA event to air on ABC. This is massive for the sport. It's massive for the UFC. And will be headlined by Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater. Very important fight at 145 pounds. And then on Wednesday, we got UFC Fight Island 8. A nice early morning start time. Prelims kick off at 9 a.m. Eastern time. That one is headlined by Michael Chiesa versus Neil Magny. Big fight at 170. Then, of course, 
the big one, UFC 257 next Saturday, headlined by the rematch between Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. So, Jed, we're going to begin with you here. I know this is hard to do sometimes, but I want you to take all of the the glitz and glamour, the fanfare, if you will, the luster out of this equation and focus on the matchups themselves. Between these three main events on paper, Holloway Cater, Kiesa Magny, Poirier McGregor, what is the most competitive matchup of the three in your opinion and why? So mathematically, the most competitive matchup is the Chiesa Magni fight because that's the one the odds makers have listed as the closest. But I I disagree for me. I, I think it's the main event for UFC 257. That's, you know, regardless of the glitz, the glamour, what 257 means, whether it's for the lightweight title, any of that, none of that matters. That fight is just awesome. Like I can see a real world where Chiesa Magni is a good fight but one guy pretty clearly asserts his dominance over the other, depending on the strategy, you know, that, that carries the day. Uh, but at 257, I don't think that's going to happen. Also for this weekend, and we'll talk about it a little later. I actually don't think Holloway uh, Calvin Cater is going to be that competitive. I think it's gonna be really fun, but I think Max Holloway is going to work him. Whereas I think Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, I, that's the one people are probably thinking is the least competitive because it is a rematch. Conor, just mowed through him so quickly the first time. But since that time, Poirier has gotten just magnitudes better defensively. Connor's not going to be able to just uh, hit, hit that slip fade and then just crack him one. There, there are layers to Poirier's defense at this point. I do think moving up to lightweight was a better move for him just physically. I think that he can absorb shots better. This is a dude who went to war with Justin Gaethje. And for my money, I think Justin Gaethje hits harder than Connor McGregor. He is, Maybe not as precise, but as a just pure power puncher, I think he packs more. So Poirier is going to be able to stand up under the firepower of Connor. Uh, and so I think if Connor comes in looking good, I think this is going to be a, a real fight of the year contender. And if Connor comes in looking bad, then Poirier might run over him. But it, I think he's going to come in looking good. I think this is going to be an awesome fight. And for me, it's the most competitive of the three. James, what do you think? We got the hot take horn right off the bat. And by the way, if you hear any like some grumbling and some yelling upstairs, my kid's got a guitar lesson and apparently they're doing some theatrics up there because he's screaming and yelling. But uh, James, what do you think of these three fights? Jed's going with the main event of 257, Connor versus Dustin. Obviously, that's the bigger fight of the three. What do you think is the most competitive? It's the Wednesday fight, Kiesa and Magny, for a variety of reasons. I don't think there is a clear-cut winner there. Neil Magny has looked pretty good in the welterweight division. I say pretty good, like Larry David does. Kind of, you know, lackluster, nothing like outstanding. Neil Magny's done well. He's got a nice winning streak heading into this fight, but he's not finishing his opponents. He's not leaving every fight saying, this is a guy that's going to make a run for the title. He's getting the wins like he's supposed to, but he's not blowing our, you know, heads off, so to speak. And, and Michael Kiesa, same thing. I mean... Great winning streak since coming up to welterweight. He's looked a lot better. I think that weight cut did take its toll on him at 155. But himself, he's, he's not a guy that's really blowing us out of the water there. He's not getting finishes. He's getting decisions just like Magni is. And the thing that you got to look at in this fight is that Magni's obviously been more active over the last year. Fought three times last year. Kiesa only fighting once. I think this is a toss-up. And both guys are very big for the division as well. I think Kiesa's about 6'3". Magni's about 6'2", something around there. So they're pretty close in stature. And realistically, you know, if Michael Kiesa can't get this to the ground, then obviously it's a chance for Magni to perhaps outstrike him. But I honestly don't know 
who wins this fight. I think it's a coin flip. And I think with the fact that Kies has had a longer layoff with Magni coming from, in my opinion, a better camp at Elevation Fight Team, I think there's too many intangibles here. And I see that as much of a closer fight. Jed talked about 257, and I'll disagree with him here in saying that Dustin Poirier has better defense at this point. I don't think so. I think he's definitely improved since the first fight. He's definitely not the same fighter that he was at 145, but Dustin still gets hit a lot. And we saw that in the Dan Hooker fight. That was not an easy fight for Dustin. He got the win, but he still took a lot of shots. And it's one thing to get a shot from a Dan Hooker, but to get a shot from a Conor McGregor is much different here. This is just a bad style matchup for Dustin. I don't see him coming out with the win. And I don't think he's going to use his wrestling or try and submit Conor. I think he's going to try and stand and trade. And that's Conor's wheelhouse. To me, it's 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 uh, more of a decisive, I think, pick uh, in terms of taking Conor at UFC, UFC 257. And we'll just mention the third fight, Calvin Cater and Max Holloway. To me, it comes down to competition. Holloway's fought the best of the best in the featherweight division. Cater's had some good opponents, but Max is fighting the best in that division. First non-title fight for him since 2016. This is a guy who's fought nothing but killers. And Calvin's made some good strides. Don't get me wrong. He's only had two losses in the division to Moicano and Zabit. But I don't think it's enough to go out there and take out a guy in Max Holloway because Holloway's never been finished. I don't see Cater finishing him. And I think it'll hit the judges' scorecards. But I think Max is going to edge this one out more decisively and actually get the nod this time. So my pick is definitely Kiesa and Magni. Way too close to call in my opinion. Jed, I'm curious because you kind of had that look in your eye where like one eye was open a little more than the other. Like you had something to say. Do you have a, do you have a response? Yeah. James is just demonstrably wrong about Poirier. Like he still gets hit because he throws six strikes a minute. Like that's, that's a high work rate. So you're going to get hit. But when the first time they fought, Poirier's defense was literally this. He covered up here, did this and pulled away. It took Connor about 60 seconds to figure that out. Time a left hand right into the back of the temple, and that was the game. This point, like Poirier, I'm not saying Poirier is a defensive genius who never gets hit. He does, but he's better at rolling with punches. He's better at putting up different blocks. He's got his arms out, not tight. He does a whole number of things like vastly better than he used to defensively. He's also less prone to do that weird like lunge. He still does it some, don't get me wrong, because it's hard to get all of that out. But he used to just like, really take a leaping lunge forward, which just put him into a lot of space to get countered. And he's much better about coming in behind footwork. Like he is a demonstrably better defensive fighter. Now you can still totally believe that Connor's just better than him and that's fine. But to say that he's hasn't improved that much defensively, I, I think is objectively incorrect. And I'll just counter his other point on, on the Chiesa Magni fight. I think this is really a, a matter of opinion, but for me, I, I don't know. It's it's a little hard to judge Kiesa now because Dos Anjos came down and looked really good at lightweight again. And so that's playing a little bit of a head game with me. But Kiesa's run at welterweight has been over Carlos Condit, who is shot, uh, Diego Sanchez, who's super shot, and RDA, who's, I don't maybe shot. It's hard for me to say where RDA is now. I, I just, Magny's been doing it at welterweight against good competition. You're right, he doesn't get finishes because Neil Magny isn't the guy who gets finishes. Uh, but I, to me, I just think Magny's going to run away with that fight. I don't think Kies is going to be able to take him down and on the feet. Magny just works a way higher rate. And that's, so I think he's going to win. Uh, but again, for that one, I feel that's a matter of opinion. I, I think the Poirier thing, you can still think Connor's going to beat him and that's fine. But Poirier is very clearly a better defensive fighter than he was the first time they fought. 
Still gets hit, though. Just got to point that out, right? It's one thing to take a shot from a couple of these guys, but to take one from McGregor, it's a little bit different. And quickly on the Cassie and Magny. I mean, Magny's winning fights, but they're close. The Rocco Martin fight could have gone either way. The Jingling Lee fight was a fight that, you know, I think Magny won, but it was still close. He's not blowing these guys out of the water. That's what I'm getting at. It's not, the, it's not even that he's going the distance. It's the fact that he's not dominating these fights. And I think that's where this gets a little bit closer because I feel like Cassie's doing the same thing. All right. Well, we're going to dive a little deeper into Poirier McGregor on next week's show because we'll be knocking on the door of that event. But I want to talk about we'll the fight that neither of you picked. Be happy to talk about next week. But we're going to talk about the fight that neither of you picked as the most competitive. We're going to talk about Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater. And James, I want to talk about this with you because. This fight is massively important because 145 as a whole in 2020, we didn't see very much there. Like Volkanovski had the fight with Holloway in July. We saw Brian Ortega beat the Korean zombie. And Cater had a pretty big year, all things considered, with the pandemic and all. That's why he gets this fight because he was active. But Max Holloway, like you said, not in a title fight for the first time since he fought Ricardo Lamas at UFC 199. That was well over four years ago. And the big storyline heading in James is, is Max Holloway over that controversial loss to Alexander Volkanovsky? Like, he's certainly saying the right things. He's saying, I'm the champion. I feel like the champion. But how much of a factor, if any, does that storyline play in the way you view this fight? It's immense. I, I think uh, one of the biggest things about this card is the fact that if Holloway loses this fight, that'll be three in a row. That's never happened in his career, uh, at least not recently. So, I mean, if he loses this, where does he go from here? 145, you mentioned it, it's a shark tank. So if he loses a third fight here, where does he go? Does he go up to 55? Does he try and get a few wins and get back in there? He's still going to be very far behind because I don't know anyone who's losing three fights and getting a title shot, you know, a year later, it just doesn't happen. I think uh, that's sort of one of the things that we need to keep an eye on in this fight is I think Holloway's going to win, but if he doesn't, I mean, you know, Calvin can lose this fight and still win a couple and get back here. That, that's exactly what happened when he fought Zabit. He lost that fight. He won two fights. He got this big opportunity with Max. I don't know. I think it's going to be tougher for him to get back to the title. So for me, that's something that's really important on, uh, on Saturday is that can Holloway win and can he handle that pressure of just, you know, dealing with uh, everything that's gone into it? Like, like I said, he thought he won that last fight, but I mean, how much is that going to weigh on him? We'll see. Uh, look, look at Dominic Reyes. I feel like that almost played in his head when he fought Jan Blakovich and he didn't perform very well. Considering the depth of this division, Jed, and I think, and you did a, a phenomenal job breaking down each division in 2020, which I'm sure really took fun, you yeah. so much time to do, but really I think this is going to be a... Yeah, I'm sure you're glad that it's all over and done with just about. But I honestly, I think this is going to be a big year for 45 because it is so deep in talent. And Max is not even 30 yet, which is crazy because he's been doing this at a high level for so long. And Calvin's the elder statesman, if you will. But, you know, like James said, Max has the big fight experience here. There's no doubt about that. But looking at the division and who's in front of them in the pecking order, who is the champion right now? How much is this a must win for either guy when it comes to getting back to or getting to a shot at the featherweight title? I mean, if, if either guy loses, they're done, right? Uh, like if Max Max is going to play hell to get to a featherweight title uh, just because of he's 0-2 against Volkanovski and, you know, he can say that he thinks he's the champion. I would actually quibble with your assessment that that's saying the right things because I think that's the wrong thing because, one – I am sorry, Max, but 80 to 90% of the world does not believe you won that fight. More people than don't maybe do, but 80 to 90 is an egregious overstatement. Like it was a really close, really good fight. And I think Volkanovsky won. At the time, I thought Max won. A century watching, I do think Volkanovsky won that fight. 
But regardless of what anyone thinks, the reality is he's 0-2 against the man, and he's going to have to put together a run because Volko has been pretty vocal about not really being interested in doing it a third time. He feels he won both fights as well, and he did officially win both fights. So it makes sense to me that he would be like, yeah, I'd rather take on new challengers. And like you said, this division is ripe with challengers. I mean, he's got Brian Ortega on deck, but the rest of this division, there is a bunch of kind of young or at least new names making their way up that are objectively more interesting for Volko than Holloway is. So to me, honestly, it doesn't make entirely sense why Holloway's even sticking around featherweight unless he really just thinks if he gets one or two wins because their second fight was close, maybe he can get a third anyway. But to me, it would make more sense for him to go up to lightweight because he does have the, you know, the greatest featherweight of all time, bullshit, uh, title to his name. If he bumps up, he can immediately kind of get in that title picture, even in a stacked weight class like that. So, but if he, if he loses here, he's just done. And then he probably would go to lightweight for Calvin Cater. I mean, a loss doesn't kill him because of who Max is and, and what that means, but a loss sets him so far back while there are all these other guys surging up the ranks that it would set him back three fights from a title. Probably like he, and if, and conversely, if he wins this, he's the next guy on deck. Ortega's got up, but he would he would not have to fight again. If he beats Max Holloway, lock him in. He gets the next title shot. So it's massively important for both men. I love this fight so much. I really do. I'm really looking forward to it. I've been touting it ever since it got announced. But I do want to touch briefly on the fight between Kiesa and Magny. And look, we all wanted Leon Edwards versus Hamzat Shemaev. We'll talk more about that matchup a little bit later on. But James, while the stakes are definitely different between this fight and the Holloway Cater fight, it is still, like you said, a very interesting match between two guys who are looking to get over the hump, possibly into title contention at some point in 2021 at, in the welterweight division. So what do you think is at stake in this fight? And what will either of these gentlemen have to do on Wednesday to, to put themselves in that title contender conversation? Like, is just going out there and getting a win enough? No, a finish is. They got to make some noise here. That's sort of what I was alluding to with both of their records at welterweight. Like both of them need like, this is a great opportunity for both of them, depending on who it is, to get a finish and, and really sort of make some noise in this division. Welterweight's pretty stacked at the top, like we've seen. And now you've got this wild card in there with Chimaev as well. That's probably going to mess up the plans for a lot of uh, fighters in the 170-pound division. So absolutely, these guys need a finish. And I think even if they do get a finish, they're still behind the eight ball because there's just so much going on at the top right now. There's a lot of guys out. There's a lot of guys, you know, injured. There's a lot of fights that are already sort of materializing as well. So um, I think it's, you know, being in a main event, second UFC card of the year, I think there's a big opportunity for both Michael Chiesa and Neil Magny to really sort of break the mold. And I hate to use the word gatekeeper, but that's kind of what they remind me of right now. Like to me, they're, they're definitely getting the wins they're supposed to, but they're not blowing us out of the water with some of their performances. So I think it's a great opportunity for, for Magny or Chiesa to really go out there and make a statement and try and move up. But I think even if they do that, they're not in that contender spot because there's still guys like Luke and Wonderboy and Masvidal and Colby. And there's just so much going on right now in that division that uh, we're, we're kind of waiting to see how these dominoes fall a little bit, but still it's an important fight for the division. What do you think, Jed? Does like, is there any movement coming out of this fight? Like we saw Wonderboy pieced up Jeff Neal for 25 minutes and he didn't really gain much from that. Like he got a nice win. Good to come back, get a victory. Nice. But if Jeff Neal won, been a totally different story. What do you think of the stakes here for this fight on Wednesday? Yeah, I mean, we, we knew that going into the Wonderboy fight. I, I told you that on this program that Wonderboy winning did nothing for him. It just meant that he didn't lose, which matters, but doesn't 
doesn't raise any anybody's blood you know nobody's excited about it you know i think this is the first time that today me and james are, are going to agree on something though i will disagree i'm totally okay using the word gatekeeper and that's what neil magny is he is the gatekeeper to the top 10 he has been for a hot minute and will continue to do so uh you know Chiesa was probably what you would consider a gatekeeper at lightweight. Now he's moved up to welter, so you can't really call him a gatekeeper there. He's still trying to find his level. But I, I agree with him in con, in concept here. I think that either man needs a finish, not to get in the title conversation, but to get in the bigger fight conversation. If Neil Magny goes out and does his Neil Magny thing for 25 minutes, that is great. He'll have a really good win, and I think he'll be on a four-fight win streak at that point. And Neil Magny's next fight will come against somebody ranked between 9 and 12 in the division. Like that, It'll just be something like that. That's the world he's going to live in. Because if he goes out and puts together a, a real Neil Magny performance, they're not going to be like, alright, let's give him Jorge Masvidal and try and get Neil Magny a title shot. Like, he is not – he's a really good fighter. He is not the most exciting fighter in the world, and that is going to play in this regard. Chiesa, I think it's pretty similar. Like if he goes out and – I think he has a better chance to finish, frankly. And if he does so, then Chiesa, because he's a little bit new, got a little bit of that new new on him, he can come in and maybe call for a fight with a Stephen Thompson or somebody a little higher up. But, I mean, a win from either of these guys, regardless of how impressive it is, they still need at least one more to get in the title conversation and probably two, if we're being frank, because, I mean, Usman is at some point just going to have to fight Leon Edwards. <laughs> and then after that, I mean, you've got Masvidal still waiting around, uh, Wonderboy still waiting around. So, I mean, they're well out of it. They need an impressive win to make any kind of noise to get themselves in the conversation. So we're going to talk a little bit more about these cards in a matter of moments, but the first round, is in the books. I'm not sure how the viewers feel about it, but I have to make a decision. And in my eyes, the point for round number one goes to... There's the German ball. Jed Mishu. He is on the board. What a great start. Championship start to 2021 right there. Even though he said Usman never fought Leon Edwards, they already fought before, Jed. He should get a point taken off for that. Yeah, and I, I didn't say he never fought. I said at some point he's going to have to You said to at fight. some point he's going to have to fight Usman. He already did. No, he's going to have to fight him going forward. That doesn't preclude the You didn't say going before. forward. You said he's got to fight him. I don't have to say. The, the syntax Listen, of the Listen, aren't you big on semantics? You missed that part. He fought him a couple years ago. I'm just pointing that out I to know. the viewers. So they're clear. Oh, I'm so excited for the rest of this. Who wants a technicality winning champion? Nobody. That's I, just, I think people just want facts because you didn't say going forward. If people wanted facts, <laughs> I would not. Here, people, let me know in the chat. Let me know in the chat if you guys agree with me here. If people want oh, facts, man. I'm not going to be on this show for very long. <laughs> <laughs> All right. As I'm you can see. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As you could briefly see, we have changed the graphic, which means we are on to our second question. And for those of you who have been watching this program since its inception and others that I've been a part of, yes, the main events are big. It sells the tickets. It sells the pay-per-views. But there are more to these cards outside of the main event. So let's dive a little deeper into this Saturday's card, James. UFC Fight Island 7, main card on ABC, very big deal like we discussed earlier. But outside of Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater. And I feel like with this card, it's going to be a little more easy to find than Wednesday's card based on the depth. But outside of the main event, what's the big storyline heading into Saturday's card? To me, it could be Matt Brown's last fight. 40 years old, uh, had a good run, lost his last fight, got finished in that one. We'll see what happens on Saturday. That's another competitive fight, but you didn't have it on the list there. Um, I think uh, if Matt Brown doesn't get it done, this might be the end of the road for him. One of the most exciting fighters in UFC history and also has never won a belt, but has got some of the toughest names on his resume. Um, I think that's something that's going, you know, sort of underreported here. Uh, there's a reason these guys are in the co-main event. It's not because of their records. It's because of the, the name value, what these guys bring to the table and the style matchup. This fight was supposed to happen in 2013 matt brown had to pull out due to a back injury we're seeing it now i'm still amped for it i can't wait for this one but to me this could be the end of the road for matt brown and conversely if carlos condit loses it might be the end of the road for him as well i, I don't know where either would go from here with the loss so uh, i think that's something to keep an eye on as the ufc is continuing the roster cuts um you know i know these guys are exciting but they're also probably a little bit more expensive on the books so i think uh, that's something to keep an eye on is the loser of saturday's or co-main event could potentially uh that could be their last fight yeah, and it was interesting. Carlos Condit said that this is the last fight on his contract, so it could be his last fight in the UFC regardless. But, uh, Jed, what do you think? Plenty to choose from here, plenty to like in terms of storylines and even under the radar stuff. But what do you think on, as far as Saturday goes outside of the main event for for top storyline for you? First, I just want to say uh, my favorite thing about Matt Brown, who is obviously a delightful fighter, uh, is when he was on Tough 7 or whatever Tough he was on, I don't remember, frankly two decades ago, uh, there was there was a quote that has always stuck with me, and I think it was Amir Sadala who said it when they were talking about it, because Matt Brown was like the guy in the house that all the fighters thought was like that dude. And uh, Amir Sadala said, Matt Brown is 10 feet tall and made of railroad ties. And I was like, oh, it's great. And that's always how I think of him. So if this is the last run for him, uh, that sucks because he's been a hell of a fighter, but this is a good way to go out. But for me, I think the biggest storyline that's not the main event uh, for, for this upcoming weekend here is the return of the Ponzi scheme. Santiago Ponzinibbio is back. Uh, it's been two years and some serious medical concerns uh, since we've last seen him. And this is a dude when he left or last we saw him was 2018. And when he was competing, he was the dark horse as a welterweight contender, he was the guy that people were saying, man, maybe this dude is sneaky, actually going to get the title. And then everything that befell him happened. And so he's, he's been outside the cage for two years and we just forgotten about him. And two years, is a long time in this sport. I have no idea how good he's going to look when he comes back. If he comes back in the same kind of form he was before, then I mean, that just adds another dude standing between the winner of Neil Magny <laughs> 
and Michael Chiesa towards getting that title fight, but it also really adds another pretty exciting contender to the division. So I am I'm just really interested in what he's going to look like after this long layoff, if he can be back to where he was and if he can build on it, because there were questions around him even before he left. So to me, that's easily the most fascinating storyline coming in here. Uh, There's some other good things if you want me to dive into it, but that's, that's definitely the big one. Yes, those are both great picks. Obviously, Joaquin Buckley's back, and there's a whole bunch of other things. Like we said, this card, easier to find these storylines. Wednesday, Jed. Wednesday's card certainly at a disadvantage with the names compared to Saturday's card. Although I definitely think there's some bangers on Wednesday's card and it's going to be an enjoyable fight card. Just not a lot of name value for fan people who don't watch the sport that often, but what sticks out to you outside of the main event on Wednesday's card? Uh, I mean, it is, I, I actually have a lot of these when we get to, to Wednesday's card. Cause there are a lot of like low key sleepers on the card that I'm really excited about for this card. Most of the fights are just really solidly well-matched fights that I'm like interested to see what happens in them. There's nothing like, I mean, I guess there's Justin Taffa, which is a heavyweight fight. And so that's kind of always fun. <laughs> um, but I guess for me, uh, Punahil Soriano versus Dusko Todovoric, uh, Anytime you're getting two undefeated prospects coming up, and especially in a division like middleweight where, frankly, they need all the help they can get uh, building new prospects in that division. So uh, I think that's probably the kind of low-key fight I'm looking forward to the most. But the real true answer, if we're being honest to what the best, most exciting fight on the card is, it's it's Carlos Condit, Matt Brown. I mean, I don't need to go into it. James Lynch already talked about how this fight was supposed to happen, but Carlos Condit's one of my five all-time favorite fighters, and Matt Brown is one of the 20 best action fighters of all time. Even well past both of their sell-by dates, this is going to be a banger. So tune in. It's going to be fun. Well, I meant Wednesday's card, Jed. Oh, you, had, you were asking <laughs> for Wednesday's card. All right. Oh, man, I got so many for Wednesday's card. I feel bad. <laughs> Then he did uh, two fights on Saturday's card. Damn it, Jen. Oh, Damn it. I didn't I didn't realize we were doing Wednesday's card because we were just talking I said about Wednesday. the Ponzi scheme. So we were, uh, that very quickly oh, then, so, so James can talk. <laughs> uh, uh Umar Nurmagomedov versus uh Sergey Morozov. Uh nobody knows who Morozov is. He's the M1 Bantamweight champion. That dude's fun as hell. He throws spinning back fists and stuff. Uh Umar Nurmagomedov has the last name Nurmagomedov, so there you go. I don't really need to go into anything beyond that. Fight's going to be awesome and Wally Alves, uh I think he's the co-main event, so that might not be under the radar, but Wally Alves is dope. <laughs> um and Munir Lazes might actually just be really good, so that fight's going to be a banger too. All right, James. What about uh, your pick for Wednesday before I award you a point? Uh, <laughs> Roxanne Montefiore to me on this card is kind of interesting. Uh, Roxy's really struggled with consistency. She's coming off a win, but if you'll notice, she hasn't won two straight fights in the UFC. She's like the random Marcos of the flyweight division. Um, it'll be the first time since May of 2017 that Roxanne, if she does go out there and win, uh, will have two straight wins uh, in her career. So uh, it, it's interesting. See, can't she pull it off? She's fighting a really tough fighter in Arujo, who uh, right now is a pretty sizable favorite in this fight. I think the storyline for me in, in this is that, you know, can Roxy break through and actually become a contender? You know, 
know, she had that good win over Macy Barber last year. She ended up losing after that and then beating Andrea Lee uh, at 38. I mean, there's a very small window for her to get to that contender spot. Not that I'm saying she's going to go out there and beat Valentina, but, you know, for the long career that she's had, you know, from the improvement she's made from going on Ultimate Fighter the very first time to her going on the second time to going to Syndicate MMA to really make a lot of improvements in her career. I think it's kind of underreported the whole, you know, narrative of her career in that she's really been able to turn things around. And I think this is a great opportunity for her to do it if she can pull off a big upset here. Remember, she was a big underdog against Macy Barber. She pulled that one off. Can't she do the same thing here on uh, on Wednesday? It'll be interesting to see because Roxy's just, you know, everyone loves her. She's awesome. Um, it would be cool to see her kind of uh, move on from there. And I got some other ones too, but that's, I'm, I'm going to start with that unless you need some more. But Now who's yeah, the man with the bad facts? Because Roxy doesn't have to break through to be a contender. She fought for the belt, James. You've been caught in your own web. I In, in terms of fighting Valentina right now. Oh, I mean, oh I, so you're equivocating now. I couldn't equivocate, but you can. I see how this works. That's right. That's that's the that's the game I play here. I mean, to me, I think uh, you know. I'll, I'll be honest. You are you are factually correct on that. However, I think Valentina Shevchenko has always been sort of considered the flyweight champion. Am I right? Like that's where you know she's she's she sort of created the division. Nico Montano, nothing against her, but you know how many title defenses did she have? To me, it's it's one of those things where Valentina will always be the flyweight champion to me, the inaugural one. All I'm saying, Mike, is we were pretty clear that we care about facts here in this show. Oh, we were. You didn't get a point taken off, Jed. And you didn't say going forward either. So I just want people to be clear on this. Yes, believe it or not, Michael Jordan missed a few (laughs) shots in his day, right? I made a mistake there. It doesn't matter. But uh, I'm just pointing out that, uh, yeah, Roxy, I think at at present day, as as far as what the flyweight division has become with what Valentina's done, I think it's an interesting uh, storyline that Roxy could perhaps break through and get to that spot, you know, having to not go through an ultimate fighter show to do it. Jed, there you go. Even though this round may not uh, end swimmingly for you, I do have to ask, because this is one of my favorite parts of the shows when we talk about these cards. Between these two cards on Saturday and Wednesday, respectively, so either Saturday or Wednesday, what's that like wild and crazy fight that you just can't keep your eye off of? Like, What's your, what's your Gerald Mearsharp versus Ed Herman matchup of Fight Island this trip? So, I, I mean... One, I already talked about it in general because I, of all the fights outside of the main event, I am actually super interested in the Nurma, uh, the Umar Nurmagomedov, um, Sergey Morozov fight because really Morozov, if you haven't watched him, go watch him in one clips. I mean, he was the bantamweight champion and he's a pretty exciting dude. That's like a really good bantamweight fight. Um, but if if I'm going anything outside of that, I mean. Uh, you're looking at the top and it has to be Condit Brown. Other than that, the rest of the fights are are actually really good. But surprisingly, dude, we haven't talked about Mason Jones. Mason Jones is making his UFC debut on Fight Island. This guy's a uh, multi-weight champion in Cage Rage. Not Cage Warriors, Cage Rage. And I'm not saying he's Conor McGregor. I'm just saying the last time we had a two division champion from a UK based promotion with cage in the title. It worked out pretty well for all of us. So I can't believe we haven't talked about Mason Jones, but making his UFC debut and that's going to be really fun too. Cage warriors is the organization he was from not cage rage. You got it mixed up. Cage rage was where Melvin Manhoff and cyborg fought, not the other way around. So just pointing that out. Did I listen? I am totally cool with you pointing that out. I was not confident. <laughs> Richard Rose was a champion. I could tell you had the reverse thing. It was like, is it Cage Warriors or Cage? Cage Rays is what it used to be. It's now Cage Warriors. So there you go. Okay. I'm helping you out here. By the way, yes. 
Well, all right, come on. Come, but by the way, I just I just want to say this for those of you who are watching and they're surfing through Twitter right now and are seeing this. There is a our James, you know Marcel very well. Marcel Dorf, our, our good buddy, uh, is 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 on the ball when it comes to fight reporting. There's a fake Marcel account that is out there saying that Conor McGregor uh, is uh, it, that Dustin Poirier is out of the Conor fight. Uh, that is not actually Marcel. So just don't just ignore that altogether. Don't retweet it, report the account and all that stuff. But James, what's your wild and crazy fight? What's your just like fun one for these next well, two Jed cards? Took it. It, it was that fight. It was Davis and, and Jones. But I'll, I'll give you another one that's kind of interesting here on this card uh, in terms of looking at some of the matchups. How about Tyson Nam and Matt Schnell? Uh, that fight was supposed to happen late last year. Schnell had a really tough weight cut, wasn't able to make it. Now they're going at it again. Really pivotal fight for the flyweight division because Tyson Nam's another guy that's not very young. Uh, he's got an opportunity here to go out and get another finish potentially. We saw Schnell finish in his last fight. If Nam can go out there and do another highlight reel finish here, that's going to get him in that conversation for the flyweight title, I think, or at least get close to that contender spot because this is an action fighter. People like watching him fight. And this is a guy who took a very long road to the UFC. Remember years ago when he knocked out Eduardo Dantas and then he went over to World Series of Fighting and kind of got screwed over a little bit with some of the matchmaking and then had to take another long road on the regional scene to get to the UFC. So I think that's another really interesting fight here, uh, especially with Flyway right now, which seems to be moving along now that uh, you know we've got, uh, you know we had one of the best fights of all time last year with uh, Moreno and Figueroa. So I think that's a fight you want to keep an eye on in the Flyweight division that uh, I think, again, people are kind of forgetting about a little bit. Yeah, that's a good one. Hopefully, third time is the charm for that matchup. But uh, there you have it, a little taste of what's to come over the next six days. Of course, the great Jose Young's in Abu Dhabi providing tons of coverage and video over there. So big shout out to him. But we move ahead in this championship matchup with the point for round two going to. There it is. James Lynch has tied up the ball game. It is one to one. As we uh, we head to our next topic, speaking of third times the charm, Dana White revealed in an interview earlier this week that the welterweight matchup between Leon Edwards and Hamzat Shemaev has been rebooked once again. This time, it will headline the UFC's event on March 13th. So, Jed, let's get your reaction to this because this fight was supposed to happen December 19th. Leon Edwards had to withdraw after a bad case of covid a lot of people thought they should have just kept Shemaev on the card because of all the buzz that he garnered in 2020. Then it was supposed to happen on Wednesday. This time, Shemaev forced out for COVID reasons, and a lot of people thought that the UFC should have kept Leon Edwards on the card since he hasn't fought since he beat RDA in July of 2019. So I ask you, Jed Mishu, did the UFC get this right, sticking with this matchup throughout all of these hurdles? So no, but yes, <laughs> which is real mealy-mouthed answer, but... I have, we've talked about this a lot on the show at this point. Uh, I don't think this fight makes really much sense for Leon, Leon Edwards. Uh, it, he sort of just got forced into taking it and that's fine. I think he'll win and that maybe will help him get towards the title shot he deserves. But I, again, this is not a, he is not fighting even a ranked dude or maybe Shmaev not, maybe now they snuck him in at 15 just so he has a number next to his name. But like from a, actual meritorious standpoint this is a bad fight uh but honestly now i'm more into it because this is a little bit like a homeless man's uh khabib and tony like we we just keep almost getting it and not and it's actually making me more interested to have it even though i still still you know in the part of me that thinks this should be a sport and not a spectacle i don't think this fight makes sense but just the fact that it keeps happening we keep getting getting the football pulled away from us uh, it's it's definitely made me care a little more. Like I'm more excited to see it in March now, should it happen, than I was beforehand. So 
you know, maybe if they just keep doing it, if if this time Shemaev pulls out for another reason and we just keep kicking that can down the road, by August, I'm going to be all in on this fight. <laughs> James, what do you think? Uh, and by the way, Casey, our executive producer, is pulling the comments along, and there's a YouTube commenter <laughs> named, uh, I, I believe it was presidential candidate or presidential elect Tito Ortiz, and I, I lost my mind. There it is, President Alexei Ortiz. Oh, that is a great, that is a great handle right there. But James, what, what are your thoughts of the UFC? <laughs> Perfect one. But what are your thoughts on on the UFC sticking with this? Was this the right call, or should they have let Shamaya fight maybe Magny on December nineteenth? Had Edwards maybe fight Kiesa on this card and and, and go from there? No, this was the right call. With the, with the amount of options available to Leon Edwards, there wasn't a lot of fights for him available. Um, you know, Jed talked about how this doesn't make a lot of sense for Leon Edwards. I think it does. Hamzat Shimaev was the hottest fighter last year. He was the biggest name. Everybody was talking about this guy. And what's the best way to get your name in the minds of fans? It's fighting the hottest fighter. And the same thing happened with Nate Diaz. Same thing when he fought uh, Masvidal last year. Like, that's what you do is to get people remembering your name by fighting, you know, the big hype train. That's what that's what Shimaev is. He's got three wins over uh, opponents that aren't ranked. You fight a guy like that where you have a lot more experience you're on an eight fight win streak there's a good chance leon edwards can win this fight in my opinion so i think it makes sense for him from that standpoint getting people you know because he hasn't fought since july of uh 2019 so it's been a while since he's been in the cage you remind people pretty quickly if you beat this hype train so to speak so i think it does make sense from that standpoint and also look at your options Wonderboy thompson injured can't take the fight kiesa and magni are booked up why get rid of that main event doesn't make a lot of sense i, I think rankings wise kiesa and magni make a lot more sense than say edwards in that situation masvidal like people what are you dreaming here Masvidal's never going to fight leon edwards i know they had the scuffle behind the scenes but tell me what Torre masvidal gains from that fight it's not a money fight it's not a good style matchup for him i don't understand why fans fans i think that for some reason masvidal is going to want to take that fight it makes no sense he'd be better off fighting colby because at least that's a fight he can build up and that's more of a money fight in that sense and outside of that there just aren't a lot of contenders there he already beat Vicente Luque like you see where I'm going with this there just wasn't a lot of options for Leon Edwards and with Shimaev look Edwards has got a big layoff but what's a couple more months going to be on a a guy who didn't even fight at all last year I think this is the fight to make I think it's very interesting and you know what I don't think it's that risky for Chimaev either because guess what? He goes out there and let's say he does lose, he can go back up to middleweight. They've always got that ace in their pocket with Chimaev being a two-division guy. He can go back up there if he loses. And if he wins, he's getting the next title shot. He's going to fight the winner of Gilbert Burns and Kamara Usman. You mark my words on this. It has nothing to do with Leon Edwards and has everything to do with that number three ranking. The UFC is going to sell that to fans. Forget about you know merit or, or what who deserves what. It's all about entertainment, and they are riding this Chimaev train like that gif out there of him you know going out there. If he beats Edwards, he's going to get the next title shot. So absolutely, this was the right call to make. James, Jed said he will wait until August for this to happen, and he'll be even more excited about this. But in your mind, like, have we hit a deadline on this fight? Like, if for some reason, yeah. somebody can't yeah, make it to March 13th. Yeah, we yeah, we, we, yeah, yeah we, 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 have, we have hit a deadline here. If this fight doesn't happen on the 13th, then you do Edwards and Wonderboy. I think at that point, then you got to do something else with Chimaya because, I mean, that's just far too long. August, that would be, what, two years he wouldn't fight? Yeah, I don't think you can wait that long. I think this time they knew it was relatively close. I mean, January to March is not a huge time uh, away, in my opinion. I think it gives Leon a better chance to train. I think the lockdown stuff's still happening in London. So, you know, for him to, to get an opportunity to go out there and be at 100%, I, I, think, it's, uh, I think it's fine. I don't mind the, the date being on the 13th. And I, I think it works. And sorry for interrupting you. I know it's an amateur move, but I just felt so passionate about this topic. It's all right. Well, Jed, you, I'm about to unleash you because you have, you look like you're about to explode right now. Please pr- proceed with what you'd like to say. Well, first, you, James, you, you were arguing as if anyone is is debating that if Hamzat wins this fight, he's getting the title shot. 
Everyone believes that. No one thinks this is a risky fight for Hamza. This is literally pure upside. He's fighting the number three dude in the world. He doesn't have a ranking. And if he wins, he gets a title shot. And if he loses, well, he lost to the number three dude in the world. Of course, this is all upside for him. The issue is Julian Edwards. And I find it a little bit – I'm a little incredulous that you made what is not a bad argument about why this fight makes sense – from the perspective of Leon Edwards, I disagree and we'll explain why. But then immediately afterwards, we're like, well, if it can't happen in March, then screw it. Do, do Leon and Wonderboy. Like, what? Well, how does that make any sense? Like, if that fight makes sense for the reasons you said, it makes sense to do it in August if that's what has to happen. Like, for me, this fight doesn't make sense for Leon Edwards. We've seen prospects come into this sport a ton. We've seen hotshot dude. You remember when uh, Sokaju was like the hottest thing in the world? And who, where is he now? Did anyone beating him, did that really make their career? No, because I can't even think of who the dude was who upset him. Brandon Thatch, when Benson Henderson beat him, did he get rushed into a title shot? No, like if he wins, Leon Edwards should win because of who he is. And frankly, he is a better fighter than what we know of Hamza Chmaev. And if he wins, that's good. And he may get a title shot anyway, because he already has eight wins in the division. So if he beat anybody that they can market, he's just kind of the next dude up. But if he loses, it's catastrophic for him. Like, He's never getting near a title fight again, and the win doesn't guarantee him a title shot. That's why it's a bad fight for Leon. Like It's why Leon didn't want to take the fight, frankly. He kind of got forced into it, but a fight over a Steven Thompson makes way more sense. If he beats Steven Thompson, he gets a title shot, no questions asked. If he beats Thompson, yes, he might. I, I think there is questions asked. There's no guarantee if he beats Wonderboy that he's going to get a title shot. I don't, I don't think that's a guarantee at all. You've got Masvidal and Colby out there. You never know what could happen there if they end up doing that fight. I mean, I'll give you the small thing that there is always the chance that something happens, but he would have the title shot if he beats Stephen Thompson. Like that would be the, yeah, we're going to give it to him. And then if somebody gets injured or pulls out or something, but that would be his title shot to lose and maybe he negotiates himself out of it or whatever. But Usman has said that he wants to fight him again. If he gets any kind of good, arguable win, he probably can. And so that's why I think that Hamzat – a winner over Hamza probably is enough to push him, but I don't think it's – I do not think it's a bulletproof case that he gets a title shot with a win here, and I think a win is truly catastrophic for him. So to me, this has always been a bad fight for him to take. But again, now I've just been stuck thinking about it for the last several months and keep saying, oh, I'll get to see what happens because I really do think Leon Edwards is going to kick the shit out of him. But – he might not, and now I'm more interested in it. And so if it just keeps happening, if something keeps getting in the way, then I'm I'm just saying I'd be a little more interested the further it gets delayed. I don't want it to. I'm just saying I would be. So what's your deadline then? Like what, what what's the day? Like August 1st. Like if, if it doesn't happen by August 1st, are we moving on? Are you giving it like the month of August as well? I mean, it depends on what we're moving on to. Like if you're going to give Leon Edwards a title shot, do that. I'd way rather see him fight Kamaru Usman again like than any other fight that he's going to take. I think that's a really fun, interesting matchup. I think Usman wins again, but I think there is real value in defending your belt against the best fighters in the world, and I, I think Edwards deserves that shot. So if it gets to the point where it's so delayed and Usman's like, dude, all right, I just whipped the crap out of Gilbert Burns. Now I need a new guy. I don't want to fight Masvidal again. Uh, I, I already beat up Colby. Like, okay, give me Edwards. Screw the Hamzat fight. Like, do that. But otherwise, 
if if it's on the table at this point, I'll take it. Uh, I'm not going to be mad if they go somewhere else, but uh, you know, if this keeps getting pushed back, I'll keep waiting to see it happen because now I've just been tantalized, and so I want to see. They've they've gotten enough of my interest at this point, so let's see what happens. All right, last thing on this because Joseph Boza, who's our longtime commenter, asked a question that was kind of based on this. So I'm curious. Let's just say. James, I'll start with you. Let's just say like something happens and I'm not doing that. I'm knocking on wood and putting good juju out in the universe. Let's just say no for some reason, Gilbert Burns. Yeah. Yes. Gilbert Burns, for some reason, something happens. He can't fight February 13th. We find this out like right now. Okay. Let's just say Leon Edwards and Hamza Shemaev are both healthy. They both threw their names in the hat. They're ready to go to, to jump in as the backup. Who do you think the UFC goes with? Would they go with Leon or would they go with Hamza? <sighs> That's, I mean, that's a tough sell, right? Because they, if I mean, I think they would want Hamzat to get it, right? Like Jed and I were sort of talking about there, but I mean, that's a really tough. Like, I can't think of a fighter who's got a, a title shot uh, that that's been unranked, like like he has, or fought, fought in unranked opponents. Maybe someone coming over from another organization, but I guess Chandler. I mean, that's one, right? He was supposed to be the backup for that fight, but um, but yeah, I think it's a tough sell. I mean, I I personally, I think um, I think right now they're dead set on that fight, um, and and if something happens with with Usman, then I think they would just move it. I mean. Look, Usman and Burns were supposed to fight earlier this year, and they ended up moving it a month. So I think that um, I, I, th- I think the UFC might just delay it and, and make them fight because I think I think there's something there behind the scenes where I think they're like Burns is supposed to get the shot because he was supposed to get it before, and then he got COVID, right? So I think they would just delay it if anything. Right, and, and that's what they would probably do. But let's 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 think outside of the box here a little bit. Jed put a gun to my head. Think? Yeah, I think. I think they might no, but I don't. I don't think. I think they would have given Leon the shot already if that was the case. No, I. Th- I think they might throw Hams out in there. Look, Cody Garbrandt was going to get a title shot at flyweight without having any wins in the weight <laughs> yeah. class. So, I mean, I think anything's possible at this point. Yeah, it was just kind of something I thought. Jet, what do you think? No, like, if, if all, all things are even, what do you? Th- who do you think would get it? I think it's a really good question, and it really made me kind of sit and mull it over. Ultimately, I think James is right. I think they just push the fight because they're locked in on that title fight. But if they're not going to, for whatever reason, they feel the need, I think they give it to Leon Edwards. But they, but that would be one of those decisions that Dana would call together a war room. They'd sit in there and him and Sean Shelby and whoever else. And they they just sit there and try and be like, how can we do this and it be okay? Because they clearly would want to give it to Hamzat. And it would just be – they have to figure out how to sell it and how to say it and how to make it not be the most transparently ridiculous decision they've made in probably years to get off that Shemaya title shot because they would, uh, they might even do be like, can we spike Leon Edwards' drink? So he fails a drug test. Can you just go trip him? Come on, Sean, just go trip him, knock him down. Like they would do anything they could to give it to Hamza. But I think ultimately they would feel some sense of shame doing that and give it to Leon Edwards. And it would be one of those forgotten UFC cards where they like, just don't promote it and just try and move on as quickly as possible from it to get to the next thing. Right. And listen, <laughs> listen, we're putting positive vibes on the air. All these fights are going to happen. All right. Gilbert Burns is going to get his title shot on February 13th. Leon Edwards and Hamza Shemaya are going to fight on March 13th. All is going to be well in the world come the middle of March. By the time St. Patty's Day rolls around, both these fights will be in the books. Everyone will be healthy and good things will happen. But hopefully all this happens as we prepare for the final question of regulation. And in the lead, heading into round four is... There's that drum roll. Jed Mishu. Jed Mishu takes a two-to-one lead. 
I know. Well, I, I was like, oh, they both have J's for first names. So I can I can mess around and game show this up a little bit. But uh The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning Bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Let us move ahead and let's talk about good old Nate Diaz. It's been a, it's been the right amount of time. Usually it's like every three or four months a Diaz brother conversation pops up and we haven't seen him compete since the BMF title fight against Jorge Mazadal at UFC 244. There we go. Diaz brothers, like we said, like to make the news. Anytime their name comes up, everyone goes crazy. However, this time Dana White's the one who brought up the name, told Oscar Willis of the Mac life that the UFC is working on a fight. For Nate at 155 pounds, that will not be against Tony Ferguson. But if he gets it done, he thinks we're all going to like it. He went on to say, quotes, let me just pull this up real quick. It would put him in a really good position if he won the fight. And the guy who he could be potentially fighting, I think it's a great fight for him too. So James, we're going to start with you. We know it doesn't appear to be Tony Ferguson. Paul Felder came out during his media day this morning and said it wasn't him. So I ask you, who do you think it is? And on top of that, if the name is different, who do you think it should be? I think it's Charles Oliveira. And the reason I think that is because Dana White was trying to get him to fight Michael Chandler. That didn't end up happening because Oliveira needed more time off. I think it was because he was doing some stuff, had to cut some weight. Um, so it just makes me think that they're, they don't want to give him that title shot, even though he absolutely deserves it. And I think that um, I think Oliveira is a guy they want to keep busy. I do have this theory, and I talked about this the last time on the show, where I don't think they want to put McGregor and, and Oliveira together at any point. I think that's an interesting matchup and not really a money fight for McGregor in terms of uh, you know the grand scheme of things. Um, so I think that could be the fight here. And I think it would be very interesting because obviously, Oliveira's stand-up has improved tremendously uh, you know, over the years. His ground game is really solid. It would be a really interesting fight. The thing is, you know Oliveira's not going to go out and wrestle him, which is sort of Nate Diaz's kryptonite. So I think style-wise, that's what they're looking at. As soon as he said it would be an important fight in the division, I looked at the options. There, It's obviously not going to be any fighters that are currently fighting and maybe even the winner of that. Uh, to me, it's, it looks like Oliveira. I mean, there's it could be him. It could be Gaethje, but I really feel like it's Oliveira right now just because it, they were very set on getting him a fight soon. And to me, uh, it just if I'm if I'm using the clues here, if I'm trying to put my Scooby-Doo hat on, I think it's probably Charles Oliveira. Jed, what do you think? Is it Oliveira or do you think it's somebody else? I'm curious why James thinks Oliveira wouldn't try to wrestle Nate Diaz because he just wrestled the shit out of Tony Ferguson to really, really good success. But leaving that aside, uh, I think that Charles Oliveira is the commoner view. I think that that if you just look at the rankings, who else could it be if it's not Tony Ferguson? I mean, bless his heart. Thanks, Paul Felder, for telling us it wasn't you. We all knew it wasn't you because Nate Diaz isn't going to fight you. That was pretty obvious. Uh, Rafael Dos Anjos, he, Nate definitely doesn't want to rematch RDA. Uh, like there's just – Everybody else is kind of busy. The only name who isn't busy right now, I mean, technically Justin Gaethje, but I can't really see that fight. It doesn't make sense that Nate would really be that into into that fight. Uh, so Chucky Olives is, I think, the the pretty clear view. But we're all forgetting one person. And so go on a journey with me because 
Nate hasn't. They're working on it. They haven't figured it out yet. They're they're trying to they're trying to work some things, and I think that they're probably waiting. They're probably waiting for UFC 257 to happen, not because they want to set up Nate and Connor. One, Dana has specifically said they're not interested in that, but they're waiting because you know what happens at Fight Island. Dana White's going to have a conversation with a man named Habib Nurmagomedov, and he's going to try and convince Habib to come back. And so, if Connor loses to Dustin Poirier at UFC 257, do they really want to do or do they really want to do Poirier Habib again? No, the GSP thing's a pipe dream. But Nate Diaz, Habib versus Nate Diaz, is the fight that they're trying to put together. Book it. No, interesting. I don't think that's it. Good, James. Go ahead. Come on. Habib's not coming out of retirement to fight Nate Diaz. Diaz is coming off a loss. Habib's all about the legacy. It's not about the money. Yes, it would be a big money fight for him. And yes, they have a history. I know the Diaz brothers and Habib got into it a couple of years ago, but there's no way. Why would Diaz take that fight? He's going to get taken down at will over and over and over and over again. It's going to be like the RDA fight on steroids. Like, I, I just don't see Nate taking that fight. Habib is a big name, but I, I, that's not the fight to get Habib out of retirement. Absolutely not. Stockton rules. You mentioned, you mentioned an lot. interesting name. You mentioned yeah, a very interesting name. You mentioned a very interesting name there, James. What about RDA? Is he a contender in this? Because they have history. RDA beat Nate, and RDA is again. If, if you if you take the context of what Dana said, be an important fight for Nate, especially after RDA's win over Paul Felder. People thought that was that was really good. And then you have you know Nate trying to avenge a loss. There's some history there. Why not RDA? I just think name-wise, it's not the type of fight that Nate's going to want to take here. Because you got to remember here, Nate's a businessman as well, where he knows his worth in the sport. I mean, this is the guy who beat Conor McGregor, and forever he'll be known for that. And that's why he can get these bigger fights. That's why he can fight a Pettis or a Ferguson or who are not Ferguson, but uh, you know, he can fight like um, a lot, a lot of big names. Masvidal is the name I'm thinking of. Uh, it, it's one of those things where I just don't think RDA brings that to the table. While he he made a nice you know return to 155, I don't know if that's the fight that Nate's going to want to take, especially after the way the first fight went. Um, it, it could happen but i think that's very unlikely but more likely that he fights rda than habib i mean come on i just feel like there's not much of a difference between rda and, and Oliveira. i mean olivera has got the tony ferguson rub right now and that's great mm -hmm. but in terms of like recognizability i don't know it doesn't seem like there's much of a difference former champion i don't know i i i think there's a percent chance he fights rda again he already fought that fight he lost that fight very very decisively and nothing has changed that will change that outcome. Like, I don't frankly think that he's probably that interested. Like, I think there's one of those situations where he's not really that interested in fighting Charles Oliveira, but Dana is interested in it. And he, so he's trying to sell Nate on the idea of that because I also just don't think that that fight is good for Nate. Uh, James, I'm, I'm going to let you in a little secret. Nothing I say matters. You're going to win this round. And so I was just swinging for the fence. To to be, I, don't, I don't actually think that it's going to be Nate versus Habib. But uh, I was just, you know, trying to throw a Hail Mary and see what could happen. Because no you're right. You said to shut it down. Nate is the actual worst fight Nate could ever have in his life. But, like, I think all of these fights are bad. I And we are, neither of us actually answered the second part of your question, Mike which was, who should it be? And the answer is it should be Tony Ferguson. Exactly, like, yes, I was going to say that too. Tony Ferguson is on a lot, like a two-fight losing streak. He's looking like he might be shot. Uh, Tony's like an okay wrestler, but he's never been a great wrestler. So like Nate can fight with him on the feet. Like that is the most, uh, like that's the most layup obvious of a fight. 
that could be put together. And I think in the interview um, uh, with the Mac life, that that is what they proffered to start was, Hey, when are you going to make Tony Ferguson versus Nate? And that's when Dana was like, Oh no, we're not doing Tony. So I, I actually think that my real answer is that this is like one of those mini situations where Dana is lying and they are in fact trying to book Nate and Tony. All right. And well, that, should. that all, I agree. That also brings up a question though, because you mentioned Dana White and he says things that sometimes aren't true, probably more than sometimes, but James, let me ask you on a scale one to 10, how likely is it that we're going to see Nate Diaz fight in inside a UFC octagon in 2021? I think it's pretty likely. I think I'll, I'll go. I'll go eight out of ten. Um, I, I think uh, he's ready to get back in there. Uh, I don't know if you guys know, but he's training with. He's supposed to be training with Canelo Alvarez before his next fight. So Nate's in there. I know he's always training, but I think that you know he's kind of getting the itch to get back in there. I think he's seeing what's happening in the division now that McGregor's back as well too. I think that kind of you know gives more incentive. I have a feeling he's going to come back. What do you think, Jed? I. I'll go nine out of 10. I, I'm close to saying 10. Uh, I think that there is a very high likelihood that he and Conor McGregor fight again this year. Uh, if nothing else, I, I think there's a pretty good likelihood Nate comes back before then. But I think end of the year, we're probably looking at uh, McGregor Diaz three. Yeah. Conor talked about that as well with, with the Mac life and yeah, I could see that happening for sure. But, uh, and nice little coincidence find out earlier today uh, that, the UFC and USADA will no longer punish athletes for a positive drug test for marijuana. Uh, this is a step. This does not solve all the problems, by the way. Do your, do your research. There's a, a, still a lot of red tape, so to speak, but, uh, but good stuff all around. And it's, uh, it's always fun when the Diaz brothers are around and in conversations, that's for sure. And it's always fun uh, when James and Jed are around, you know? So, so much so that <laughs> I want to keep you around for one more segment, guys. I want to keep you around for one more segment. James gets the point. Get the drum roll going. James gets the point. What a professional segue from from Mike Heck right there. We're trying, man. I'm in full game show feed or sweater mode right now. But uh, we're going to head to the knockout round on the special live edition of Between the Links. One question is going to decide the game. And, of course, we want you guys and gals, the viewers, to chime in on who you think should walk out of this virtual arena as the champion. But before we get to that, I would be remiss if we didn't mention Jed and I's colleague, Stephen Morocco's amazing piece of journalism, his story on former UFC fighter, Spencer Fisher, the story, the video. I mean, if you haven't seen any of this, it's really unbelievable stuff. I highly recommend you go and check this out. This is the story of the year in MMA already. And at the end of the year, it will still be without question the story of the year. It's phenomenal. It's heartbreaking at the same time. And it gives you more of a glimpse of what these amazing athletes go through for our entertainment in the long term. But we will be discussing that piece on this show at some point. But I wanted to make sure everybody got the chance to read it in its entirety Watch the video, et cetera. Take it all in. Look at the different reactions because it's absolutely amazing. It's called The Cost of Being the King. I actually talked to Steven about it yesterday. The interview is on our podcast feed uh, about the road to releasing it. And that was a crazy story in and of itself. So go check all that out. That's why we're not talking about this week. I I wanted to let it be digested a little bit more before we do get into it. And we will for sure. But with that said, we transition to the knock around. We are tied up. So one question decides it all. Neither of these guys know what the question is. They'll each have 60 seconds to answer. Once they do that, with the help of your feedback, all the great viewers, the judge, the jury, the executive producer, E. Casey Lydon will join us 
on the ones and twos to render the final decision and crown a BTL champion. So Jed, actually, so you I'm have sorry. the champ. I'm oh. sorry, I have to I have to chime in real quick. This is the truck. Um, we have a special guest judge. Oh Who man. Who could that Who could it be? Could it be the iconic voice? Is it Fezzik? Esterlin! And the dog! And Fezzik! Esterlin is back on MMA Fighting. Breaking news! This is huge. (laughs) Welcome. Taking taking the heat off the face. This is amazing. So Esterlin! Coming through is going to make the final decision. This is wonderful stuff. But Jed, you have the championship advantage, my friend. Would you like to go first or Price is Right style, pass it on to James Lynch? I will exercise the champion's prerogative and pass that on over. Let's do it. All right. So listen, it's not going to be a big thinker. This is going to be fun stuff. Uh, We're just about at the halfway point of January, James. So the due date on predictions for the year we're like about there. We might have crossed that line, but we're, we're, we're sniffing it for sure. AK and I did this on our prediction show, so I wanted to do that here to cap off this live edition of the program. So the question is simple in asking, but much more difficult in answering. And while we have seen that anything can happen in this crazy sport of ours, James, you got your bold prediction for the second half of 2020 correct, sir, from, from a past appearance. So what we're asking of you is to give your bold, out-of-the-box prediction in our crazy sport for 2021 and then sell us on said prediction. All right? So we're going to put 60 seconds on the clock somewhere. Perhaps. I don't know. I don't know. There it is. Wow, a new graphic. All right, your time starts right now, James Lynch. All right, Israel Adesanya and John Jones is not happening. I know a lot of people want to see it happening. It's not going to happen. There's going to be too much red tape. Izzy's, I think he's going to beat Jan Blakovich. But uh, even with that said, he's going to go back down to middleweight. He's got unfinished finished business. He's got Whitaker. He's got a couple other names there. He just wants to get the double title just to say he has it. For Jones, he's got his sights set higher. He's looking at Nagano. He's looking at whoever's up there uh, in the heavyweight division and go for money fights here. I don't think you'll see Adesanya go up to heavyweight. I don't think John's ever going back down to light heavyweight. You look at the photos on Instagram. This guy's a beast. He's what two fifty now or something crazy like that john jones is not going to fight israel adesanya and add in the fact you're still in this pandemic a bit the money's just not going to add up john's going to want way more i don't think you'll see these two ever fight as much as everyone wants to see it happen but i guarantee you israel adesanya and john jones will not happen in 2021 because of the fact there's money because of the fact that john's not going to want to come to 205 that's my prediction for 2021 i don't think it's going to take place sorry fans i want to see it too but it's not happening this year so bank on it israel adesanya will not fight john jones at the end of this year James Lynch, the professional, looked at the timer. He was like, how can I stretch this out? And he did. You did a great job. And by the way, this is an excellent change of pace because we get to see Esther in the bottom right-hand corner reacting to everything James is saying. And she's nodding and taking notes. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. So this is an excellent. uh, It's great. Yes. So you kind of know what you want. So, Jed, this kind of changes things up a little bit because now you have to impress Esther instead of Casey. You know th- some of the things that Casey likes. Maybe you uh, you know some of the things Esther likes to hear as well. But let's see what you got. Your bold out of the box prediction for the rest of this year of our Lord 2021. We have 60 seconds on the clock and your time begins right now. Look, I agree with James because I don't think we get Israel Adesanya versus John Jones this year because I think Jan Blahovich beats Israel Adesanya. But that's not even my bold prediction, Mike. I got more for you. Let's take it 
one-up. You know what happened last month at the end of 2020? Kayla Harrison dropped to featherweight. She is the PFL lightweight champion. She is the person we have most wanted to fight Chris Cyborg since she joined the sport. And that's going to happen at the end of this year. Bellator, PFL going to do a crossover fight. Harrison versus Cyborg for the Bellator belt. And guess what? Kayla Harrison is going to be another triple C. She's going to add a Bellator women's featherweight title to her strap to go along with the two Olympic gold medals that she already has. Bucket, that is 100% going to happen this year. And I fully, fully believe that Kayla Harrison has the goods to get it done. So Chris Cyborg, legend of the sport. Uh, James interviewed her a ton of times, and she has contributed more than anything else, more than almost anyone else in this sport. But this is the end of it. Wow. All right. That definitely some bold predictions there. Uh, My bold prediction, me and AK did ours for onto the next one. And mine was they wanted, we wanted ours to be so outrageous that it's probably never going to happen. I went with Dana White and the MMA media's relationship is going to improve. We're all going to be friends again, (laughs) which is never going to happen. But there you go. That's fine. Yes. See, Casey. Casey wanted an excuse to play that bed music, and he did. The drop is right there, and I just gave it to him. So now we turn it on over to the great, the iconic Esther Lynn to render the final decision. Who is the BTL champion of the universe, Esther? Dang. Wow, that was really difficult to uh, decide because I really liked both bold predictions. However, um... Man, oh, but, but uh, you know, Jeff kind of cheated and he put in two predictions. I know he had one main one, but his secondary prediction of Izzy losing was also very fascinating and really made me want to pick that. Damn, I don't know. I'm having a really hard time. Do I have to pick? Oh, good Lord. Esther, you got to make a pick, <laughs> Esther. <laughs> you got to make a pick. This would be a great time to have a sponsor read. <laughs> About it. Uh, I, I don't pass off this fun for nothing. Uh, okay, I'll give the point. I'm gonna give the point to Jed only what, because Kayla Harrison. Esther, read it. Jed, now I will explain. Now I will explain. As soon as you said Kayla Harrison was going to be a triple C, I was like, man, that's pretty cool. I want to hear. I want to see that. I think that would be awesome. Yeah. And for a long time, she said she couldn't make featherweight, and then when she did, I was like, hey, this is going to happen. Yeah, so. I I was originally thinking of building off of James's to do. Jan beats Izzy and then goes up and wins the heavyweight title. And then I was like, nah, let's let's just pivot. Let's just go all the way into, into Bellator. We talk about the UFC too much. <laughs> Tugged on the heartstrings, Jed Mishu. So with that, no money. Maybe a, a Fedor-esque sweater down the road if uh, sponsorship calls come in. But you know what you get to do. You get to have 30 seconds to wax poetically about whatever it is you want to talk about. Good, bad, and different in the sport of mixed martial arts. First, I want to say I had a really fun time with James today, uh, so you're welcome to come back anytime, except for not next week because I'm going to do something I never do. I'm the champion. I never concern myself with the peons and the peasants below me, but I'm going to make a call out because we, you talked about it earlier. This week, our colleague, Stephen Morocco, he wrote what is the most profound, important, well-written just story that you should go read if you haven't, and I hate him for it. 
because all that did was make me feel bad about how I am not as good as Steven. And so, Steven, you may be riding high right now off the, frankly, the best piece of journalism, not just in sport, but probably this year, period. But let's see how you feel when I drag you down into the muck where I make my living. So come on, Morocco, <laughs> bring it on. Wow. I dig it. I dig the call out. Interesting. Putting Steven on task after one of the most important weeks of his career. What about that's not, what a call out that was, Jed. I, I'm, I'm shocked. The most important week because next, next week is when he takes me on in BTL. Writing, you know, right. paradigm shifting MMA stories is all well and good. But coming on BTL, that's the real definition of a career, a career booster. All right. We'll have to get his insight. I'm sure he will. He would love that. But James, we want to hear from you, my friend. You've uh, you have one of the best records in the history of the show. We love having you on. You will be definitely be back multiple times in this year. Any any parting words before we say goodbye? Yeah, records are great. Titles are better. I kind of feel like James Krause when he fought Trevin Giles. He had a judge that used to, you know, in this case, work with the uh, the competitor here that kind of played an influence <laughs> on him. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. At Lynch on Sports, Twitter, everywhere, YouTube, same handle. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it, was, it was a hard-fought battle. I gave it my best. That's all that matters. But my best was not good enough today. I'll be back, Jed. Don't forget about me. Purple shirt. Yes. I already forgot. Who are you? Uh, I don't know. I saw my name a couple times on the morning report. I think you know who I am. Oh, yeah. there you go. It's actually fair. <laughs> I host the show with Chris Cyborg. I don't interview it. Just wanted to point that out. Dude, so that's true. Yeah, but yeah, it feels sometimes like it because you're really covering a lot of ground with her. Like, like her, not just MMA stuff, like her personal stuff, and that feels oh, more sure. interview. That's why it's a show. You get a little bit more than an interview, you know. So stepping out of the box, but I appreciate it. Yes, so go check out that show and then join us next week on this show. Between the Links on Thursdays, the schedule has been shifted. So we appreciate you all watching and and checking us out live for the first time in 2021. For James Lynch, Jed Mishu, Casey Lyon on the ones and twos, the iconic voice and judging of Esther Lynn, I am Mike Heck. We'll see you back here once again next week. Between the Links, good night, everybody. Love you guys. This has been Between the Links, an MMA fighting production on the Vox Media Network. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.